What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of A Whole Lot of BS Podcast presented by Revolution Sports Performance. Today, we are joined by Kevin Poppy. Uh, Kevin is a co-owner and uh, director at Dynamic Sports Training in Houston, Texas. Really excited to talk to Kevin today. I've uh, followed his work for a few years now, um, and his boss has been a mentor for me for about eight years and really uh, been pivotal in, in my development, So, and he speaks fairly highly of Kevin. Uh, so I was very excited to break down some things with Kevin and spend some time with him over this two-part series of um, seeing how he runs things and getting his thought process on just the strength and conditioning field. Just a little background on DST. I basically try to copy their company um, in setting up RSP. And uh, everything from their mission statement to how they treat their athletes to how they share their faith, we'll get into that part too. Uh, and just really align myself with them uh, and their mission. I feel like that, that was the, a very safe place to start and that's where I want to go with the company. So in part one, we talk with Kevin about how he got into strength conditioning. Uh, we also talk about how Lee has influenced him and how Kevin and DST have grown into what they are today. So here is part one with Kevin Poppy. All right, today we have the pleasure of being joined by Kevin Poppy. Kevin is the co-owner of DST and a director of operations at the North location, DST being Dynamic Sports Training in Houston, Texas. Uh, Kevin played and coached collegiately at Concordia, and he has uh, started training with DST while he was in college and then started working for them right out of school. And he's also on the Diamond Kinetic Hitting Council. Uh, so let's start off with your playing career and how you decided to get into the strength and conditioning field. I mean, yeah, like, like a lot of people, I, I pretty much just played um, all the time growing up. And I was baseball is really my passion. I was probably a little bit better at other sports. Um, but, you know, played high school ball, uh, college, most mediocre um, athlete pretty much of all time, especially on the baseball field. So um, knew there really wasn't much of a shot uh, coming out of college to play beyond that. I had a couple little small indie ball offers, but uh, at the same time, I'd been training with uh, Lee, who's the founder of our company. And uh, he, um, he offered me an internship and uh, I decided to kind of jump ship and change career paths at that point. So did you go to school? Was your undergrad degree in exercise science or a related field? Uh, no, my, my undergrad was actually in business administration with an emphasis in marketing. Actually, I started out uh, trying to double major in sports management and business admin, but soon realized that I would have had to take 20, 20 21 hours a semester. So uh, I quickly crossed up sports management and really the business administration side was just because uh, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I knew that at some point I'd want to um, run a business or be a part of a business or it would be beneficial to have the knowledge of uh, bookkeeping and making money and uh, yeah. being able to market and things like that. So I decided on that. So how did you feel your knowledge base was, you know, most people go to like the school, get the, the book smarts, um, you know, as far as their field goes. So how did you feel your learning curve was, or where did you feel like you really accelerated with learning the strength conditioning side of things? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of a, that was definitely a difficult curve for me. Um, when I, I, I think I realized what I wanted to do probably between my, um, junior and senior year of college is when I started working um, 
with Lee Fiocchi at DST. And um, I, I saw a bunch of huge improvements and I knew I wasn't going to be able to stick, stick around the game as a um, player very long. And I also had had a taste of uh, coaching and I really didn't um, want to be a part of that, even though I thought I really wanted to it was be like a hitting coach or a head coach of a high school team. Um, soon realized dealing with parents in that capacity, like people just go crazy about their kids in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. So didn't, want to, didn't really want to do all that anymore. Um, so I, that's when I noticed what I really wanted to do. And so what I started doing was I knew it was too late to change my uh, degree plan without racking up mounds of student debt. Um, so what I did was I approached Lee told him this is what I would want to do uh, for a career moving forward and uh, asked if he had any suggested reading. So he started sending me, um, so, sometimes he'd send me actual books, but then send, send me um, just like titles of books and things to look at and research and uh, started kind of self-teaching and then just almost as a unofficial apprenticeship with Lee, just learning from him. Um, I'd say in some ways it set me uh, pretty far behind because the where I had to really catch up quickly on was um, the anatomy side uh, was was a big struggle for me early on in my career um, and then pretty much all I knew how to do early in my career was how to coach exercise like I knew how to get people in certain positions and what we we're looking for out of certain exercises but I didn't really know the underlying reasons for why we do things or mm -hmm. anything like that and so that was a that was pretty tough but uh, I'd say in some ways it was pretty beneficial because you know you learn a lot more through experience than you do through a book and yeah. so while I did learn a lot um, through the readings and through like the educational material um, I do see a lot of people kind of getting boxed in uh, their ways of thinking um, when they when they have the kinesiology or human performance background and in a degree they have a one way of thinking and it's sometimes their learning curve becomes how to how to actually take, okay, well, this is what I see in a book, but this isn't what I really see playing out in the weight room. Yeah. And so how do you actually critically think and come up with new ideas? I think I was probably able to be a bit of a, ahead of the curve in that way, but a little bit behind the curve as far as like the technical knowledge. Yeah. I think that the two edged sword of our field is the great thing about it is that anyone can get into it like yourself being a great example but that also means there's a lot of guys that don't know what they're doing that get into it. Um, so it's a definitely a thin line uh, between it's great to have outside outsiders coming in and seeing a different viewpoint from their eyes. Um, but also that opens up the doors for guys that don't know what they're talking about. So um, yeah. And as far as schooling goes, I'm on the, on the flip side of you. I went to, I have a master's in this uh, and, often have thought about would it have been better for me to go work somewhere like under Lee or someone like that for two years instead of getting a master's degree. And while I wouldn't change it, I think it would, it wouldn't necessarily be better or worse, but it would definitely be different. Um, and from a financial standpoint, you save the money of not having to pay for grad school. So mm -hmm. um, something to think about for anyone that's looking to get into coaching. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, have, we have some coaches on staff. We have uh, one, of, one of our coaches at our West campus has a, uh, has a master's degree and it's just it's fun talking to him and just learning things because uh, yeah I, you know I'm still I'm still a little bit behind on the curve sometimes when it comes to to the technical knowledge with uh, when I'm having a conversation with him yeah um, but we have a good exchange of ideas and I think it just creates a good environment to have people of different backgrounds bringing different thoughts and perspectives to the table 
So. Definitely. And I think what you said about the applying the book knowledge to the actual athletes is huge mm-hmm. uh, because there, there were some guys that I was in grad school with that the athletes did not want to work with mm-hmm. because relationship skills weren't there or, um, you know, they just, they're like, dude, I don't want that scientific answer. I want someone to be able to explain to me how this is going to help me throw a baseball faster or, you know, hit the ball further. I don't care about what my muscle is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely um, great to have both sides of the coin there. Uh, so why don't you talk about Lee a little bit more and um, someone that I have a ton of respect for uh, and just what he, how he has helped you with your career. Uh, obviously it's probably be a podcast in itself, but um, you know, how he helped you get started and, and how he's mentored you along the way. Uh, yeah. So like I said earlier, uh, Lee, um, he trained me while I was in college and I was really coming in with, you know, I played NAIA baseball, like I said, super mediocre. Um, but I came in with a shoulder problem where I couldn't throw, if I threw with any sort of intensity, I couldn't throw the next day um, with any intensity, but um, I could, I was fine. It just took a long time to bounce back. And then I also had an ankle problem that was really bad uh, to where I couldn't, you know, just walking around, I'd roll it um, and it would hurt really bad. And um, you're a catcher? I was a catcher and a first baseman. Okay. Uh, I moved to first base by this point, and so I was pretty much just full-time playing first base at this point. Um, but so, you know, Lee really um, showed me uh, that there's a rhyme and a reason to working out. You know, I had been into working out, but I didn't really understand the training side. I just assumed, you know, if I got stronger in my squad, my bench, and my deadlift, then I'd be a better baseball player. Um, but that wasn't – um, really what I saw with Lee, actually what I saw with Lee was Lee was exhausting me on things that, you know, shouldn't really take a lot of effort, but I was, uh, specifically weak in certain areas, um, in my scaps and in my hips. Um, and so that, that was, um, what really kind of started my fire for it was because my first hit of my, going into my, my junior year, I didn't, I didn't hit any balls out of the park at all. And then my senior year, uh, coming back after training with Lee, <clears throat> uh, my, my first hit of the fall was, a was a three run homer over left field fence. And I was like, wow, okay, there is something <laughs> different. Yeah. Yeah. And I was looking a long toss back to back days. And, um, I had taken my speed from running a seven, three on my 60, which was because of an ankle issue. I was always like a seven, seven, one kind of guy, um, to running a, a six, eight, nine, uh, on, on a laser time. So, um, it, I just saw that first and foremost was that lead knew what he was doing in the training side. And then, where I think um, I, I don't think I've ever really quite talked to him about this, but I think where the real trust came in outside of just the transactional relationship that we had, as far as I'd give him money, he would train me um, was I strained my groin my senior season uh, in the winter time. And uh, so I was, I was back home training with Lee during the winter and I strained my groin and he was referring me to um, um, a manual therapist uh, to go get it worked on. He's like, anytime you get someone's hands on you, it's going to be help you accelerate the recovery process. And I was like, well, Lee, man, like I pay for this stuff out of my pocket. Like I can't afford um, to uh, go see this person because they're charged like $80 for a half hour or something yeah. like that. I was like, I just can't afford it. And he's like, okay, well um, just don't pay me this week. And just go see this person. I was like, yeah. okay. So this guy's not just about the money. Right. Yeah, so right. That really um, was a big uh, step one and building more of a personal relationship. But Lee was always a guy that 
um, as an athlete, he, uh, he just cared and, you know, would call probably once a week just to see how you were doing. And, um, so that, that always meant a lot to me. So when I was wanting to work, I definitely wanted to learn from him because, you know, at the time he was working with guys like Carl Crawford and was getting interviews on ESPN. And that's how I got introduced to him was that interview actually. Yeah. And so that, and so I was in college at the time and, uh, I just, you know, I thought it was really cool and I, I wanted to keep learning from him. And then, um, actually coming on as an intern, there's definitely, um, you know, Lee's, Lee's uh, developed a lot personally through the years. And so when I came on as an intern and then from there started working for him, I could go on for days about that whole process. But there was definitely some struggles because he was definitely a, um, a, a harsh leader um, on the front end. So if I messed anything up, I mean, I was going to hear about it loudly <laughs> and, and not exactly. That's, that's funny because he's a pretty soft-spoken guy. Like if you meet him on the street or something. Yes. So he's definitely, um, definitely uh, developed and, and changed a little bit on that end because um, back in the day, and this isn't to, to say anything negative, it's to, you know, emphasize how far he's developed um, is that, you know, if I'm, I'm, so here's a good story. Um, we had a process of uh, athletes folders um, after they worked out, they would sign out, check out with us. Cause at the time we were charging per session and we would put them above our, our business associate who at the time was Adam Cyphers. Uh, we put it above his desk and then he would check it out the next morning and then put it back in the, in the basket of folders, um, before the workouts. And, um, then we would take the workouts into the weight room and we'd train. Well, Adam, for whatever reason, hadn't checked out or hadn't made sure the, the uh, billing had gone through. And so the, the folders were still sitting above his desk. And I just took for granted that, um, that the folders would be in the basket. So I take the basket in the weight room and Lee was really big on like, you're in the weight room during the training. Like you don't, yeah. you don't come in the office unless it's like an emergency. Well, anyway, so we were, we were sharing a uh, office with the basketball coach at Houston Christian at the times. And name was Ron Crandall. He's still the basketball coach there. Uh, but I, I go in there and the first athlete that shows up, his folder's not in the basket. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go grab this out of the office and must've just stayed above Adam's desk or something. So I, I run in there and as soon as I walk in the door, Lee's like, well, what are you, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, I forget who it was. I think it was Thibodeau, or, uh, Tyler Thibodeau is this kid's name. I was like, uh, Thibodeau's uh, folder's not in the basket. It's just right here. And I go to grab it. And as I'm turning around, Lee's already shutting the door behind me. <laughs> and he just went in on me and i mean the whole time like i'm taking i'm taking a reaming at this point um like screaming basketball coach is in the office he's like screaming at me uh dropping all sorts of explicit language on me at the time and uh which he doesn't do anymore but this was like my my one of my first uh, experiences with him as like a full-time employee yeah and uh so he's just reaming me for probably about 30 minutes mind you this kid's still sitting in the weight room waiting on me and his book and so uh you know that's kind of how our relationship started professionally was it wasn't as much of a you know I think a lot of it came from he took such pride and ownership in what he did that letting go of any of it to delegate to yep. somebody else was already hard for him. 
Right. So for me to even mess up in the slightest way was almost like he saw it as a reflection on him, you know? Mm-hmm. So right. while no one would have seen it. He just, no one would have seen it as a, as a mistake or a mess up. Um, but he just wanted perfection out of it, you know, and I see that now looking back, but you know, that's how that started. Um, but then it even got to a point and I've, I've shared this story before where, you know, the, the personal relationship never went away, even though we had that, um, that dynamic of just demanding excellence and being very harsh. Um, there was a time cause I was getting, I was getting paid commission. Um, and I didn't have a lot of groups at the time. And so I, I wasn't in the, at the time our payroll was run through the high school and the high school had messed up my paperwork for two straight months. So I didn't get paid for two straight months starting out, um, around the same time. And I went to Lee and I was like, uh, Hey man, like, um, I'm not going to be able to come in tomorrow. <laughs> and he was like, well, why not? And I was like, well, um, I'm on like an eighth of a tank on gas and I don't have any more money in my account. Like I just, I literally can't get here. And so he wrote me, he wrote me a personal check for $250 and said, he'd see me in the morning. And I was like, all right. So like, this is another like per- personal relationship thing. Like that's not a ton of money, but at the same time, like it's just, it was a personal gesture to help me out. Yeah. Never asked for it back when I finally did get paid. Just like saw it as a, as a gift. And, uh, you know, I really appreciated that. And then through the years, you know, um, when uh, Lee, I could tell you when when I saw Lee's personality just change was when he had his uh, first daughter. And so he had his first daughter. And I mean, it was literally the next day, just a different guy. (laughs) I mean, he was he was already starting to explore his faith further at this point. Um, but then I think having a family and having, um, his wife and his daughter looking up to him and looking for leadership, like that really set him up, um, to really become not just like learning about his faith, but to be more of like a, a faith leader in his family and then within the company. And, um, I think that's honestly where things started to really take off for us here. Cause he started looking at, uh, leadership more as a servant leadership type approach than a coercive type approach mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that's great. That also makes me feel a lot better about myself knowing that Lee has messed up like that in the past. So thank you for sharing that. All right. So you started with DST in 2011 and that was your first job out of college? Uh, yeah. So technically my first job out of college was coaching at my alma mater for one season to, while I was finishing up my degree. So I, I coached up uh, at Concordia University. And then when I finally did come home, uh, yeah, I went straight to work for Lee um, as an intern in the summer of 2011. And then he um, he actually told me he wasn't going to be hiring me after that summer, um, at the end of the summer. And then Adam Cyphers, our business um, associate at the time, he uh, he convinced Lee to just give me like a commission role, like a 1099 role. And that's kind of when I started. So when you started, was it? just a, I'm going to do this and see where it goes? Was it, I want to stay here long-term? Did you have any idea about it? It was just kind of like, I want to get my feet wet doing something? Yeah, so no, I I, I, I saw the potential in what Lee was doing. And um, so what I was trying to do is jump on, on the ship before it took off, jump off, yeah. jump off the train before it took off. Cause I was like, all right, I want to be a part of this. And so, you know, I think from the outside looking in, a lot of people probably thought it was just going to be a, a job. Um, a temporary job just to kind of like get started, get 
get my feet under me um, as an adult. Because uh, I'd have those conversations where I was like, well, so what do you what do you do? And I would tell them, and then, all right, but what do you want to do? I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm doing it. And they're like, like, after this. I'm like, right. I'm not thinking after this. I'm thinking this is, can be a long-term career. And uh, so, yeah, no, that's I, – I never really thought of it as a stepping stool or a, or a uh, just a job. I always saw it as like, a, let's get on board and let's try to build something here. So let's go through that journey a little bit, starting in 2011, working just off commission. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually talked to Lee a lot about the pay structure at DST. It's something I kind of copy. Um, mm-hmm. So just the journey of learning how to sell yourself. Obviously, you have a business degree, so that helps. Um, building the entire company with Lee and you know some of the bumps in the road, some of the victories at, to where you guys are now. Yeah, Um I mean, early on, it was a lot more bumps in the road than smooth sailing for sure on my personal end, because uh, in that, I think August is when I started a commission role. And my commission role is pretty much just a uh, adult fitness boot camp in the afternoons. But I was told the one caveat of the adult fitness boot camp was that I was not allowed to use the weight room. So I had to be outside. Thanks. Outside in the sand pit in August in Houston. So we're looking at 100, 105 degree weather in the yeah. afternoon in August. And so no equipment, no equipment. I'm trying to sell to like moms and, and like girls. Cause that's pretty much who does boot camps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had two clients and one was one of my best friends growing up. So like, I didn't really have real clients, you know, and yeah. one of the clients was a, a girl that had gone to school at Houston Christian. So she was just like there. And uh, so I had two clients. So I got paid like something like $200, my first paycheck, right? Like, and that was two months in. So that's tells you a little bit about that. Um, as far as like trying to grow though, after the first few months, they moved me into helping with the after school group, which I'm eternally thankful for. Um, but as far as like trying to sell myself, like I thought it would be a little bit easier than it ended up being. Um, it was, you know, I'd make my posts, I'd text my friends like any salesman would do, uh, just trying to get the word out, um, trying to um, just kind of get out there and get my voice out there. Um, it's it's tough when you're young too, because people assume your level of knowledge isn't there, which mm-hmm. they're probably right at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I think a lot of things I thought would work didn't. And I think what it came down to is just like, you have to be willing to pound pavement early. Like you yeah. just have to. So did uh, you run into people wanting only to train with Lee as well? Oh, and you being yeah. like secondary? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that was like a big thing was like, they would want to come in, they'd want to train with Lee or I'd get the thing of, um, you know, they'd walk, a parent would walk in the door and be like, Oh, is Lee here? And I'm like, uh, no, he's actually out for the day, but I can yeah. help you. If you have any questions? I'm like, uh, when will Lee be back? You know, right. like that question. Yep. So, um, trying to get, uh, and actually in my first performance review, one of my, uh, drawbacks, Lee ranked us on like one to five on different categories. And on one of my categories, I can't remember which one it was, but it was like a two out of five. And the only notes given for it was, uh, because of your age, people won't take you seriously. <laughs> so how am I supposed to improve that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said, I told Pete, uh, who's the guy I was working with at the time, his name's Pete Wilkening, uh, but I told him about it. And he goes, just tell him you're getting better every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that, w- that was uh, interesting, but he was right. So actually 
one of the things I started trying to do was kind of copy the way Lee dressed. Um, you know, people always say like, dress for the job you, you want, not for the one you have and try to present an image. So I started trying to present an image of being basically like Lee. And so I try to dress like Lee. Um, I was, uh, you know, I grew out, I grew out a beard just to look a little bit older. If I could, I, I buzzed my head mostly out of like, um, necessity because I didn't have any money. And so I just come <laughs> up. You didn't look like a slob or buzz it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. But it made me look older. So, um, and you know, kind of look the part of a strength coach beard, right. bald, you know, kind of looks like the part. Yep. And so I started trying to do that. And, um, really it came down to pound and pavement and just, um, offering free things, like just give your service away and then build relationships. Once you can build that relationship, people want to come back, you know, and it's not like a, a way to trap people into training. It's right. a way to show people one that you care yep. and then two that you can actually help them get better. So yeah, if you that can you're show good at your job. Yeah. Right. So if I can say, Hey, you're one of my clients. If you bring in one of the client, I'll train, I'll train you for free and I'll train that person half off, which I'm taking a pay cut, but yep. I have two people there. Now. They could all advocate for me. Yep. And so there was a lot of sacrifice on the front end trying to just build um, a resume, if you will, because you want to be able to say, I work, you know, I worked with this guy or uh, you want people to be out there and be evangelists for you. If you don't have anyone speaking on your behalf, you have nothing because there's a right. lot of people, a lot of voices in the industry. So everyone thinks me, they're good like, at what they do. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so unless you have something to point to and be like, look, this is, these are some results we've had, or you have somebody else telling you mm -hmm. or telling people for you that you're good at what you do. Um, then you're, you're kind of nothing. And then from there, I mean, as far as like, that was like me personally trying to uh, going through the bumps in the road and trying to develop. Um, but as far as a company, man, there's been a, there's been a ton of like just ups and downs, but I think the, the, uh, the trend has always been up um, because people saw the service that, that we provided and saw a lot of value in it. But as far as like our infrastructure, it was really lacking, especially early on. Like we didn't have um, uh, uh, anyone that really was a, a good accountant running the payroll or running the books. It was just like, well, we assume this money's there. That's why everyone was commission-based. So like assuming the money's there because they should have paid, we can pay out right. and there'll be money in the bank. And then that, yep. you know, yep. there wasn't really a good structure. We didn't have a mission statement. We didn't have... Um, uh, specific roles or responsibilities that were outlined job descriptions, you know? Um, so going along with that, I mean, we're still in the process of reworking and working our like payroll structure to, to um, give our coaches um, the best, uh, the best fit for them. And, you know, one of the things that we, we've been trying to do is um, we want to change the industry a little bit. And I know you, you uh, share a lot of the same values as we do. Um, but one of the things we don't want to do is have a, a guy like Lee or myself and then a bunch of underlings, right? Mm -hmm. We want, right. we want the whole staff to be able to elevate and yeah. in, in doing so the company elevates as well. And so Correct. instead of just being okay with the high level of turnover, that is pretty standard in our industry, um, being able to try to, um, invest into our um, staff and not look to monetize or make a quick buck off anybody's work. 
Uh, we're trying to be able to invest in our staff to where we can really develop a team for the long term as opposed to having a bunch of turnover and just relying on new people all the time. Are there any points uh, over the last eight years where you felt like there was a huge shift in momentum? I feel like it was probably two or three years ago, I felt like I saw a big flow of maybe it was just the bigger name guys start coming to you, but um, it seemed like you guys kind of hit another gear at that point in time. Is there anything that stands out as an event that happened or something that, I mean, I know you guys said you changed the infrastructure a lot. I know I've talked to Lee about how he's invested in being a leader and trying, like you said, bring up the other staff and that's helped a ton, but uh, anything that really sticks out to you for a momentum change? Um, I mean, you could point to a couple of things. I mean, it, like, look at it from a couple of different angles here. So um, you could say for me personally, where my momentum really changed was being able to work with Scott Casimir. Mm -hmm. um, and that was 2013, 2012, 2013. Um, was that your first big guy that you worked with? Big name guy? Yeah, because uh, the main thing there was that he was Lee's guy. He was not my guy. And then um, he got released by the Angels and uh, we had no velocity left or anything like that. And it was in the middle of summer. So Lee was training NFL players at the time. So it wasn't during, he couldn't take yeah. Scott. That's so it kind of just felt to me, Lee was still doing his programming. It just kind of felt to me to, to take him through workouts. And then we kind of developed a relationship because at the time I was the only person in DST with a baseball background. So I'd catch his bullpens and, and do some, uh, things like that. And he was at the time also working with uh, Ron Wolforth of the Texas baseball ranch um, on his stone mechanics and trying to uh, get some velocity back and playing with the Sugarland Skeeters. And, uh, you know, he was able to make a comeback and I got lucky enough that to have a client like Scott that would um, um, acknowledge and uh, try to help me out too. Cause he knew that, you know, I was still early in my career and trying to get my name out there. And so he, you know, told some, um, some publications about me and I've got some interviews. And so that really was a big takeoff for me. Um, personally, as a company, I think that was a big one too, because we got mentioned in, um, ESPN, the magazine for that. And, um, even though, you know, as you know, it's the athletes putting in the work, they're yeah. the ones yeah. there. He's the one with the comeback, but we got a mention, which was nice. And then, um, as far as, the company really taken off. I think when we were able to open uh, DST North up here and just kind of have a, a new revenue stream, that helped as far as being able to uh, build a staff of of like minded individuals as opposed to just who can do a job for us. Okay. And so um, even just a couple of years ago. And I think you pointed to like two years ago was when we made a lot of our hires that we have now that are huge pieces of the company. So that's when we hired um, uh, Garrett Kelly. That's when we hired Sammy Knox, who, who's the director of our South location. That's when we hired uh, Dennis Coink. Um, that's when we hired my wife, Rachel, um, on social media. And then Ryan, um, who's our business associate at South. And I think that was huge for us because now it's people that are like-minded instead of seeing this as a job, seeing it as um, being a part of a team and a family that uh, we can uh, start uh, building. Cause when you put all these roles and I'm sure you've 
dealt with this a lot too. When you put all these roles on one or two people, it's impossible to do. Like you can't do it. You can do some things well, but then other things are going to have to just do poorly. It's just Mm -hmm. how it is Um, because it's just too many hats to wear. So everyone coming on around that time a couple of years ago um, really allowed for us to to, um, spread out – I guess, responsibility and people that wanted to take on new responsibilities and really push the company forward. And uh, uh, the, I, I didn't mention this, but when we, a couple of years before that, we added uh, Josh Graber, who's our director of business operations. Yeah. And he's actually a lifelong friend of mine. We've known each other since sophomore year of high school. And uh, he was like the biggest part about putting together um, some real infrastructure on the financial side to where we can make uh our payroll and our incentive packages and whatever we're doing uh, financially, whatever we're spending money on sustainable, you yeah. know? And so Josh coming on and then a couple of years ago, uh, being able to make all those hires on the training side and on the staff side, I think that's been the, the biggest catalyst and the fact that we've been able to hold on to those people to this point. And Bauer came on uh, somewhere along the line too. That was, yeah. I guess the second big name yeah. guy. Yeah, so Trev came in uh, um, when he right after he got drafted, I guess, um, out of UCLA, and so he was um, just finishing up his first half season in pro ball, and actually kind of struggled. If you look up the numbers, he struggled that first half season, and it was the first time where he kind of acknowledged that it was because of a lack of strength, his legs were dead. He had never pitched that much in a season before going from his junior year where he threw something like nine complete games at UCLA to, um, um, pitching a half season of professional baseball as a starter. Um, so then he came in and he sat down and he had never had a strength coach that was able to articulate why he, um, needed to do what he needed to do. And I guess I'm sure there were strength coaches that could articulate it, but he wasn't willing to hear it at the time. He was basically think, an arm, uh, arm strength, arm training guy at the time, correct? Right. He was just yeah. like stretch, yoga, long toss, velocity, uh, and that's it, and had no real base of strength. And I think he was finally ready to hear an argument for the role that strength could play. And so he had to sit down with Lee, and I remember that sit down taking about three hours because Trevor, <laughs> I gotta take your word for it, man. Yeah. Trevor will yeah. air you out with questions. If you think you know your stuff, yeah. talk to Trevor and he'll make you question what you know. <laughs> okay, so you better be ready when talking to Trev. That's yeah, awesome. He was, he was for us too, because he was the first athlete that we had that would actively push us on social media. Mm-hmm. Right, that's such a big deal. And you still do his training, correct? In the off season, strength training? Um, y- yes, yes and no. So. Okay. Uh, the past few off seasons, I, I solely did his off season strength training um, since 20, since basically we opened up DST North, I, I'd write his programming. Um, so that was 2014, I guess. So since the 2014, 2015 off season, I've been doing his programming. Um, before that, Lee was doing his programming. And, um, but this off season, he's, he did a little, little bit more traveling and he was spending more and more time up at driveline. So I did a few programs for him this off season, but I, I think it was kind of a blend between um, myself and the, and the guys up there at driveline uh, just because, you know, when, when you have someone in front of you, it's just a little bit easier, Way easier yeah. to make it concurrent with the programming that they're doing on the throwing side. Like it just probably just made sense. And he was doing a lot of traveling. So uh, yeah, yes and no, like, I still do some programming for him, but I, I don't think at this point you can say like I solely do his programming. 
Well, I think it actually says that situation says a lot for both you and driveline that you guys are willing to work together and put egos aside. And like you said, like Trevor pushes people on social media and he is, he'll move the needle for a company um, because of how big, I mean, also he's really, really good. Uh, So for both, I've seen both guys give credit to the other one as far as you and driveline giving credit to each other. So I think that's, that's awesome. And says a lot about you as a person and them as a company as well. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Kyle's a good friend of mine. So, um, I, I never, I never want to disrespect Kevin's smiling while he says that. So, yeah. So I just, I just don't want to, you know, I, I always want to make sure that it's relationships first and not egos first. And if I'm, if I'm trying to, if I'm ever trying to compete with somebody for the sole sake of my pride, that's, yeah. that's a big issue for me. And so that's a great well, lesson know, in any yeah. field. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can put the egos aside and just be honest about things like understanding that, like, anyone who wants to dog on driveline, you, you can't sit here and say they haven't changed the game. You know, they, they have. Absolutely. Same with Trevor. You can say what you want about Trev. And I think by and large, he's misunderstood. I'm sure some of the criticism he gets is probably deserved. Um, and he would acknowledge that too. Like me and Trev talk about this kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, like people that were calling him crazy in 2011 are, the, are doing the same things he's do, uh, that he was doing at the time. They're doing it now. You know, at the time, shoulder tubes, weighted balls, um, extended warm-ups, all that was crazy in 2011 when he was doing it. They were having ESPN and Baseball Tonight specials on Trevor Bauer's crazy routines. Yep. Now, um, it was highlighted for me when I saw – I went to the Dodgers complex a couple of years back and uh, in spring training, and they had pallets of shoulder tubes just on the ground. And I was like, Oh, so this was crazy. A couple, just like six years ago. Right now it's a mainstay. Every program has like a, every organization almost has a weighted ball program of some kind that they use, or they communicate with driveline or the baseball ranch or people like that. And they all use shoulder tubes and they all have extended dynamic warmups. And it's just to say that he and driveline separately, but at the same time, haven't pushed, the game forward from the analytics side and from the actual performance side is is crazy, you know? Absolutely. I really love the point Kevin made at the end about ego and how important it is to keep your ego in check and how detrimental it can be to your career. And I think that holds true for any field. Uh, So great point there by Kevin. Next week in part two with Kevin, uh, we go deeper into what he's doing now at DST, uh, look at how his faith plays into his work, and get some advice from Kevin for younger strength conditioning coaches. Thanks as always for listening. Please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review. And as always, let me know if there's anything that you want to hear more about. Have a great week.